Hey, folks, before we begin, I would just like to invite you to help out the show. If you can, and if you enjoy this or another episode, it is a listener-supported podcast. More info on how to do that, how to chuck us three or five bucks, whatever works for you, can be found at zensandwich.com at the top of the page. Okay, on with the show. You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Okay, here we are in the present moment. I am super excited about this one. It includes a significant first for Zen Sandwich. It is perhaps a bit surprising that after 110 episodes, nearly two and a half years in the making, a show called Zen Sandwich hasn't yet had an actual Zen monk on it yet. <laughs> that changes today. The Reverend Shojun Ogi is a practicing pure land priest. Um, but believe me, folks, Ogi, I call him Ogi-san. His title is Reverend Shojun Ogi. Ogi-san is much more than your average Buddhist clergyman. He is also an author. He's written 11 books, and he's an elected official. He's a city councilman locally. He uh, he studied at Harvard University. He is a very bright, super cool guy and even a bit of a celebrity in these parts. So let's meet Ogi-san. He joins me now from Tokuji, Japan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> well, hello. I'm so cool nervous, but I, uh, you know, um, hello everyone. Uh, I'm Shojin Ogi. The, I'm a pure Buddhist priest of the uh, in Japan, and then the, I'm also the resident minister of the Choshoji Temple. So nice. So, yeah, it's yeah. funny that you're nervous. I, that was almost one of my questions. Like, do Zen priests ever get nervous? Because we we have this concept in the West, like, oh, you're always calm, and you know. Sure, we are human. I'm human. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I do not make a mistake. Sometimes, of course, and then uh, I know. I mean, I'm not robots, and I'm human, so I have very various the human feeling, like you know, everybody. Uh, that's good. That's that. I think that's easier to relate. Sometimes we put clergy uh, people on a pedestal, and but you know, we need to realize that hey, they're human too. Because one purpose of this podcast is to sort of bridge the gap between people who who actively studies in Buddhism, like myself, and the general public who might not know anything or know very little at all about Zen. I mean, in the West, Zen, the word, it, it the usage is kind of like just to say somebody's real relaxed or chill, like, oh, that surfer guy over there, he's really Zen. And that's kind of the, the way it's used in the West. But uh, I would like to today, without getting too technical, to ask questions that that Westerners, uh, native English speakers or Western European listeners of the show, questions they might have for you if uh, if they had an opportunity to speak with a real life Buddhist monk. So let's start here. What's a regular day like? Do you practice zazen, which for the listener who might not be familiar is a seated meditation? Uh, if so, how long? How often do you sit for five hours? Do you go to the top of a mountain and, and do zazen? What? What's a day like in Ogi-san's life? Sure. Um, the, you know, the, basically, I'm not Zen Buddhist priest, so I do not practice Zazen or Zen meditation, but uh, I do the recitation of the name of Amida Buddha. This is called Nembutsu. 
Okay. So reciting the name of Amida Buddha, like mm. Naman Dabutsu, Naman Dabutsu. Mm. And uh, this, which means uh, I take refuge in Amida Buddha. Mm -hmm. So uh, I usually do Nembutsu in front of the Amida Buddha statue or mm. Buddhist altar every morning. And then when I pass through the you know Amida Buddha statue or Buddhist altar, you know, I do the Nembutsu. Mm. This is for uh, to express my appreciation and, and respect for Amida Buddha. So each number to be about uh, ten seconds. So, okay. When you when you pray or when you're reciting the mantra, are are you praying to Buddha as an actual god? As in, do you, do you envision the the Buddha is existing somewhere or is all around us and and listening to your prayer? It's kind of a tough question, but essentially, how do you conceptualize the Buddha? Oh, that good, good questions. Uh, you know, uh, when I do the Nembutsu, I put my hand like this and I put a hand and about to Amida Buddha, but uh, I do not see it as a real, an actual God or something. So Amida Buddha is called the uh, Buddha immeasurable light or life and mm -hmm. uh, embraces us anytime and anywhere. So I understand it as a kind of the embodiment of uh, loving compassion. So mm -hmm. when I do the Nembutsu, I just express my appreciation in respect to Amida Buddha's working. Mm. That, that's great. I, I love that to conceptualize it that way. Mm -hmm. um, well, you, the next question I had for you, you sort of answered it at the beginning when you said you're human mm -hmm. and you uh, you get yeah. nervous. I was going to ask, you know, do you ever get angry? Do you ever have a bad day? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, I'm sometimes get angry and have a bad day, <laughs> but it's only natural thing, you know. You know, the human life. So mm. the human has various feeling according to the situation and conditions. So mm -hmm. in addition, you know, we can't control the situation or, you know, the situation as we wish, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I try to not to, try not to, you know, stimulate my feeling by controlling my three actions, body, speech, and uh, intention, because mm -hmm. we can control our feeling to a certain degree. For example, mm -hmm. uh, I do not put my body in the place where I feel uncomfortable. You know, mm. I don't go such a places. Right. And then uh, I don't talk unnecessary things, you know, like I don't speak, you know, unnecessary things. So mm. like also that I don't speak, I try not to speak, uh, you know, speak ill of someone. So mm. and then uh, I don't speak too much or anything because things, you know, uh, do not go as we as I wish. So, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I, I mean, essentially just avoid temptation. You know, don't go places <laughs> that are that are bad or you know might influence you in a negative way i like it right 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 so this is also a buddhist teachings you know buddha say middle path middle path or right. avoiding the extreme way of thinking so this is a very you know a kind of a technique to control our you know comfortable life in you know comfortable life so yeah. always try to uh try not to forget that the concept of the middle path or avoiding the extreme extreme way of thinking so this yeah. is a point in our daily life so yeah that's something that that definitely speaks to me why i i study uh and try to practice um mm -hmm. so in japan and uh people who've never been to japan might not be aware of this but buddhist temples are often adjacent they're right next to shinto shrines and right. western religions like christianity islam judaism are, are monotheistic they believe mm -hmm. that their god is the one and only true god so it would be conflict, for example, to have a Christian church right next to or affiliated with a, a mosque or a, a musala, which is like a prayer room uh, in, in a mosque. So 
you know, that, that's kind of what a Shinto shrine's purpose is to pray. And it's right next to sometimes affiliated with the Buddhist uh, temple. Um, how do you reconcile Buddhism and Shintoism temples and shrines literally existing side by side in Japan? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, basically many Japanese people have the mind of respect to the deities in Buddha. So it's natural for us to respect both Buddhism and Shintoism. So and then the, let me uh, the explain some of the background of Japanese Buddhist history. Um, Buddhism came to Japan in the 6th century, and around the, around the 6th century. And then, then Buddha was introduced as a guardian to protect the Japanese god of native religion of Japan. It was Shinto. It's called Shinto. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Buddhist was accepted as a kind of guardian to protect the Shintoism. Okay, mm-hmm. so in the these two religions were somewhat uh, compatible, and in the this led to the systematism. You know, it's kind of technical term, but uh, it's a uh, syncretism of Shinto and then Buddhist ideal and teaching, mm-hmm. and then this became a unique characteristic in Japanese Buddhism. So the Buddhism and then the Shinto, you know, the unified as right. one. And then, you know, so we are kind of mixing. So this is also the, this is the kind of the, you know, the unique characteristic in Japanese Buddhism. Mm. And then the uh, negative side, you know, because <laughs> of that kind of unified with Japanese, you know, Shinto and Buddhism, you know, the negative side would be that uh, this characteristic, you know, produce an uh, ambiguous sense, you know, ambiguous, you know, right. ambiguous sense of religion for Japanese people. This is mm. a negative side. But the uh, same time, uh, this ambiguous sense of religion uh, expresses the uh, tolerance of Japanese who worship in um, invisible power. So, yeah, yeah, yeah so I, don't, I, I, I don't even see it as a negative side. I see it more like it's a, an open mindedness. You know, right, it's exactly, a, exactly. it's a willingness to, you know, uh, accept different interpretations and perspectives mm-hmm. of what we're all aspiring to, which is to, uh, you know worship the divine the the mm-hmm. sake the sacredness of nature and of our humanity and, and you know it's just a i think a broader view um so i kind of like that shrines and temples are right next to each other <laughs> yeah. um some of these questions i know the answer to already but i'm going to ask for the sake of my audience because the public might not know and might be curious and that i say that for this one can a buddhist priest marry can they eat meat can they drink alcohol Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good question. Because <laughs> many the Westerner or the foreigner ask me about that question. So I'm, I love that question. <laughs> well, to answer the question, so I have to explain some of the history of Japanese Buddhism again. So historically, uh, you know, the license of Japanese Buddhist priests was somewhat managed by or controlled by Japanese government. Mm. This is a unique point too. And then the, with that, that, you know, with this backgrounds, uh, the, in 19th century or uh, the late 19th century, the government issued a statement uh, about, uh, you know, marriage and then the, uh, eating meat and drinking alcohol of this priest. And then the government said in a statement that uh, we have no official stance regarding the action of this priest in the precept. Such as marriage, eating meat, drinking alcohol, and then no shaving hair. Actually, mm-hmm. I have a hair. So, yeah, <laughs> I, should, I should point that out. Most people are going to be listening to this. A few people will actually see actually it. And so, yeah, you, you've actually, because I've met other Buddhist monks and, you know, they, yeah. they shave exactly. their hair. Exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. So then the, this became the interpretation of most Japanese Buddhist denomination in a sect that the priests were allowed to marry and eat meat and drinking alcohol. So it, so that, you know, the, the, uh, in conclusions, uh, I would say it would be better that, uh, this is also one of the characteristics, characteristics of Japanese Buddhism. So like you know, Japanese Buddhism is, you know, uh, quite, uh, uh, the open for the you know marriage yeah. and, and eating and yeah, drinking alcohol like that yeah yeah I think, it, I think it's reasonable I think one of the problems I mean I won't get into I'm not criticizing any other faith but you know mm-hmm. like in Catholicism priests can't marry or uh, you know uh, do anything about their carnal desires and so I I think sure. it's a problem a little bit because uh, you know we are human as we've pointed out here and but yeah, um, yeah. So what um what would be the concepts of heaven and hell, you know, the way that western people uh again in kind of judeo-christian islamic uh-huh. traditions they think of yeah. heaven and hell. You know, what what would be your answer to the question what mm-hmm. happens after we die? Okay, that's a difficult question. That, I know. <laughs> uh, it depends on the understanding of this denomination in the world. That uh, I understand the concept of the heaven and hell in Buddhism would be the one of means that uh, leads us to good actions. So that is that uh, the concept is uh, you know the heaven and the hell. It would be the metaphor of good action brings a good result. So that's mm. why you don't if you don't you know if you don't want if you do not want to uh, go to hell. You should, you know, do that the good things like that. So, yeah. and otherwise, you know, you have to go to hell in in after die like that. So, kind of metaphor. So, try to, you know, this is the metaphor or the teaching, you know, bring us to the good way, good way of life. So, yeah, yeah I understand that way. And then, then the, as of the afterlife, uh, this is this also that depends on the interpretation of this denomination in you know, afterlife. But uh, in my region, the Buddhist uh, pure and Buddhism. So Puran Buddhism say we will be born in Puran and become a Buddha after die. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, there's a, so I understand now better. I, I, and I'm sorry that I didn't at first, you know, I had introduced you as a Zen uh, monk, but you, it's Pure Land Buddhism, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I, I would never, I've been to your temple and, uh, you know, I've been mm-hmm. to uh, a Soto Zen uh, priest temple and, they look the same. <laughs> so I wouldn't know from the outside, <laughs> but, uh, so that's w- why my mistake at the beginning, but, um, right. but, uh, there's a Zen koan or story, mm-hmm. I guess that I, sure. I, re- I really like about, um, about this, what happens at your death. And it's the student talking to the Zen master and the student asks the Zen master, like what happens to us after we die? Ask this question. And the Zen master says, I don't know. I haven't died yet. And I, I think that's well right. that's that a good question yeah that's that, that good answer yeah, yeah that's right right yeah. so so I, I sort of just accept that as like you know my stance on that when i get asked that question can you give us like a little distinction let's say between pure land buddhism soto i mentioned soto and rinzai earlier uh-huh. say those three what would be the distinction between pure land soto and rinzai schools of buddhism okay so the apparently you know the outwardly the you know the there are many differences probably but the inward you know basically the same so you know the final purpose is to get the enlightenment this is a you know mutual understanding and then the more mutual goal right hmm. and then uh the, and then it's 
so our our metaphor like I make a metaphor like uh, mountains, you know, climb the mountains, you know, the top of the mountain is always the same, but like the right. the way of to you know reach to the top is a different. So right. you know, you know, that's the difference. So and then as of that, then you know, difference like uh, Soto and Linzai, the, they are slightly different. So basically the same, but uh, probably Linzai Zen is called a Kanna Zen, Kanna Zen. It's Japanese term, Kanna Zen, it's technical term. Mm -hmm. So, which means that uh, uh, do Zazen with thinking how we can get enlightenment. So, you know, through the meditation, we have to think about how we can get the meditation like that and how can we get the enlightenment. So, mm -hmm. you know, through the meditation, you know, we have to uh, think deeply, you know, the way to get the enlightenment. That is a Kanna Zen, so Linzai way. I see. And then Toto Zen is, you know, do Zazen without thinking. Without thinking. <laughs> if you Just can. Thinking. Yeah. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So because, uh -huh. uh, you know, the, you know, the in Zen, you know, we originally have the enlightenment, you know, the mm. nature. Right. So, so the problem is uh, whether we can realize it or not. So, yeah. And then, that's it. And then, you know, Soto Zen more focus on we, we do have the, the, the Buddha nature and the enlightenment nature. So mm. that's why we just sit and then we can become a Buddha. That is a way of thinking in Soto Zen. Mm. And then Linza is, you know, how we can get the enlightenment. Yeah, my, my understanding uh, has, has uh, generally been that, like, I mean, the, the concepts and the precepts are the same, but the, the method... And it's kind of like the paths up the mountain, like you were talking about, are a little different. That Soto Zen has much more of a concentration on on Zazen type meditation, whereas Rinzai School might focus more on koans, you know, or exactly, like, exactly. you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah, well, that's a thinking points. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're still the at in essence, they're preaching the same message. You know, it's still the same idea. Um, let's talk a little bit about secular life. Um, you are also an elected politician, as I mentioned in the introduction. For me, this is the most intriguing question uh, I have. I've saved it for the end here. Uh, how do you reconcile the Buddhist notion of detachment, not having attachments to things in the world, with, a, with the kind of necessary ambition, which is kind of an attachment, uh, that it takes to be a politician? <laughs> okay, that's a deep question and it's really difficult to answer. <laughs> but uh, well, um, I'm thinking about I'm thinking that the concept of helping the people is the same in both you know Buddhist priests and the politician. So usually I share with the teaching with uh, people by you know talking and writings. Mm -hmm. But this is because I want to help the you know suffering people. You know, it's only natural. I'm a Buddhist priest, so I want to help the suffering people. Mm. But it's sometimes does not, you know, my way of, you know, uh, the Buddhist uh, spread way with Buddhist teaching or Buddhist spread, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, does not cover the all suffering in the people. For example, like, you know, social problems such as uh, poor, you know, discrimination, uh, you know, welfare like that, you know. Mm. It doesn't, you know, work on that, you know, even like when I talk, you know, the Buddhist teaching and, and uh, you know, I try to uh, cure the people's, you know, the heart, like, you know, heart, mm. you, know, kind of, you know, weak weak mind or weak in health like that. I try, I try to help, but I, you know, it doesn't work sometimes. So uh, through my talk and in the books, you know, some people might 
get well, but it's quite temporary time, you know, mm. it's, it's temporary time, you know. But so like, I feel like it doesn't work on the roots or reality at all. So uh-huh. then I realized that the uh, you know, importance of working on both mind reality. So I reconsidered with a, you know, Buddhist notion of detachment with uh, ambition and position by thinking that I'm practicing a compassion in real society. So, uh-huh. So it's sort of a practical application of exactly. the, the right. theoretical or the the philosophical. Uh, exactly. Okay. Right. Wow, that's that's excellent. You, uh, that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, Ogisan, every uh, episode, I uh, almost every episode, I try to do a little segment called Five Minutes Zen, where I offer some advice or suggestion to the listener that they can implement, they can practice in their daily lives. Mm-hmm. My question for you is. What is your suggestion for us to remain calm in life? And that means like whether we're dealing with a stressful situation at work or in family life, or we're just overwhelmed by constant bad news on TV or the internet in America, there's school shootings and political debates and fighting. How do we remain calm and have peace in our lives in this turbulent world mm-hmm. um i suggest you to have the time to reflect yourself in your daily life so it may be that only the humans are fine you know humans are day fine mm. so i recommend some time in uh nature <laughs> such mm. as mountain and ocean without any you know digital devices so well you know we need to sometime to be you be us you know be you you know yeah. Um, in my case, you know, I sometimes go on mountains and then clean the mountains mm. and then cut tree and then, then sometimes I make a fire and then just, you know, gaze the fire. Yeah. And then, you know, that time I don't think, I don't think anything. It just, just, you know, just be, I be just, I, I am. So like, you know, I just spend the time without any, without any, without doing anything, just, just sitting, you know, in the mountains and then. Feel like nature. Yeah. That is feel my mind and body. So, yeah. Yeah. That's one reason I, I like living where I do now, you know, because I'm surrounded by mountains and there's a little stream by, behind my house. And right. I actually built a, a little fire pit outside of my, in the kind of backyard of my house. And uh, uh, my wife and I, you know, sometimes I'll build a fire. We'll sit, just sit out there by the fire. There is something about fire. I don't know. Just that it, it's almost meditative, mm-hmm. just, just being around exactly. and watching a fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's called a meditation. You know, the 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 um definition of meditation is you know it's just not doing like the sitting like you know kind of pause you know with a pause you know meditation mm-hmm. can can we can do meditation anyway anytime so you know like you know making a fire and just get on fire either go to the mountains so that's also meditation so yeah so the point is you know to reflect ourselves you know yeah yeah I've talked before on the podcast that uh, washing dishes. Is a meditative oh, is a meditative exactly. practice for me. Like I, that's right, you know, that's right. yeah. I, I mean, I will. Yeah. You know, I just sure. feel the water running over my hands, and I just, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just in the present moment when I do it. And uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, many way to you know do the med- do the meditations. You know, uh, you know, clean the dishes, of course. Also the meditation. Right. Right. Also listening to the Dharma talk. Also that you know the meditation. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Well, um, that's it, folks. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. 
If you did, please go to zensandwich.com and help support the show. Ogisan, it was an honor and a pleasure. I really appreciate your time today. Thank, thanks for joining me. Thank you.